because we really don't know what we want, right? And knowing what we don't want is just as important because it helps us narrow down what we do want. We have so much choice now, so much choice in the things that we read and where we work, the type of work that we do. Um, we don't have time to, to do everything, right? And our most precious resource is time. here welcome to the data podcast for nerds where we get to talk to awesome data professionals and ask them all about how they use data to solve the world's problems and we always include fun bits because we're all nerds here and we really love to have fun so today with us we have dan everett how are you doing dan i'm doing great monica thanks for having me on the show Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming. <laughs> so we typically start off all of our episodes by understanding people's origin stories. So if you could please let us know about your background and how you got to where you are today in your career. Ooh, <laughs> that's a long story. I'll try and keep it short. So back before the internet. <laughs> Love it. When we, when we, when we had modems, and so I, uh, I was looking, I was looking at jobs in the newspaper because that's what we still did, and all the jobs were around Oracle database management at the time. This was the late '90s, and so I downloaded Oracle with a modem in like 25 parts, put it together on my computer, and taught myself SQL. <laughs> so that was the beginning <laughs> of my of my journey in data. Um, from there, I went into uh, tech support, and then pre-sales, and then product marketing. And now I now I don't have to actually make the stuff work. I just have to make it sound good. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so when you taught yourself SQL, can you go into specifics there in how you did that? So this was the days before internet. So yeah. I, I went to a bookstore. <laughs> okay. I bought a book on SQL and then uh, I went through the book. I learned enough to fake it into uh, into a job doing tech support for a company that where they were doing data migration software. So they were moving from an image database on an HP 3000 to an Oracle database on an HP 9000. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I'm, there's probably some people that are like, what are those systems? But um, yeah. <laughs> That's so interesting because now with the internet, of course, there's all of these like online courses that you can take and they have sandbox environments where you can get in and play with the code, see how it works and all of that. So in your experience, was it really just when you got that tech support job, that's when you started using SQL? Well, I had, I had to learn enough <laughs> on my own with the book and having downloaded Oracle onto my computer, right? And then doing things with it. So I had to create my own sandbox. Okay, and, okay. And my own learning program and then do it. Uh, but yes, a lot of it was, uh, I mean, the real, what I learned, you know, was through trial and error as part of being tech support. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really interesting about the building your own sandbox. So 
like what data sets or data were you working with and putting into that sandbox? It was just the default data that Oracle loaded when you when you downloaded Oracle. Okay. So they okay. had a default. They had some default data sets, and uh, you know, like the default uh, Scott Tiger was the default uh, username and password, and and then when I got into pre-sales, I would go around like and I would like get on people's systems and go Scott slash Tiger. <laughs> oh, look at that! I'm in. <laughs> Because oh wow! It was really, yeah. <laughs> cybersecurity was not uh, anything like it is today. <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say because we just had you know National Cybersecurity Month, and I was talking right. about you know, best practices and whatnot. And so this uh, Scott password is like the old school password one two three essentially. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Oh, it was the it was the default password for when you installed Oracle, and. Uh, yeah, but, but there are people that they never got rid of it. You know, they didn't delete that account. <clears throat> it was just sitting there. They probably didn't use it, but it was sitting there. So, and it was an admin now, account. Now that makes me curious to know how many systems out there still have that default password. Do you think? Oh, <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, good. I'm sure, I'm sure there's some nerd out there that can tell us. Yes. <laughs> so what do you do today? What is your title and main responsibilities? So I'm semi-retired. So I have my own business. I call it Insightful Research. And mostly what I do is write on data and analytics topics that interest me. Um, I guess my being a, a single person business, my title is owner slash janitor slash <laughs> IT support slash, you know, name your role. But one of my favorite things to do, you know, is like when you go online and you download something and they ask for your title. So I always put in master of the data universe. So my title is Master of the Data Universe somewhere in somebody's database. So probably a few of them. So I absolutely love that. The best thing about owning your own company right. is you can make up those. So right. at Nerd Nourishment, I am chief data enthusiast. Cool, cool. So I've been <laughs> thinking about doing this little cartoon. So there's really old car cartoon called He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. So I would be He-Dan and the Masters of the Data Universe. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I love that. <laughs> I'm a little bit quirky if you haven't figured that out. The best way to be. <laughs> Let us talk and explore more about that quirkiness. I would like to get into the fun bits if that's okay. Okay, yeah. So we talked a little bit prior about your quirkiness and you create data parody songs. I do. I do. Hey, <laughs> can you tell us um, what songs you have and how that came about? Oh, gosh. Okay. I'll start with the easy part. What, how that came about. So as part of the, oh, what was it? MDM marathon thing that they do in in EMEA 
So a bunch of people like Scott Taylor and Tian Kafeng and some other people, they did a data parody song to one of one of the Queen's songs. I forget which one. And I thought, I thought, oh, that is so cool. And I've always like created parody lines for songs in my head. <laughs> it's just the way my brain works. And so I thought, well, I can do that. And then I had so much fun that I just started doing them. And I have, I, I don't know, I think I have 20 now. I could do a couple albums, I guess. The the Pain of Silos to Simon and Garfunkel's um, uh, The Sound of Silence was probably one of the most popular ones. Mm -hmm. uh, see, I did one to uh, Britney Spears. Oops, I did it again. Left my instance running. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, ACDC, um, Highway to Hell. So AI is swell. That was a really fun one. So that's okay. about generative AI. So yes, I have, <laughs> have quite a few. I love that. Are there, um, are they posted anywhere like on a YouTube or anything like that? So they're on LinkedIn. So I was trying to post them on YouTube, but, um, some of the songs I have clips from stuff that is, you know, technically copyrighted, right? So they wouldn't they wouldn't allow me to post it on YouTube. But mm -hmm. if you go to my LinkedIn profile and you look in the featured section, there's a post there. I think you have to scroll over one, and then it's got it'll send you to the article that's got my my list of all the data parody songs. Oh, perfect. Okay. So it's in an article where we can see all of, okay, perfect. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes too. So everyone has access. Okay. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. So. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Another thing that I wanted to talk a bit more about was kind of the journey through being a data professional. More specifically, like when you are moving from being an individual contributor to management. Um, this isn't really taught much anywhere and some organizations don't really prep you in this case mm -hmm. so yeah i just wanted to pick your brain about like and any advice that you have for people that are moving in this direction yeah i think that it's a wonderful topic to talk about because i don't think we talk about it enough right and isn't i'll speak from my own experience right as an individual contributor you get to, I got to a point where I felt very comfortable, right? Like, okay, I know what I'm doing and, and I'm in control of what I do. And like, okay, I can do my timelines. And, and then you become a manager and all of that it changes, right? So mm -hmm. your success is now dependent upon other people doing their jobs in a timely fashion. Um, now you're, it's about communication you know not just with your your uh, direct team the people that you're managing but also you know people above you that you're having to report to right so you, you know you get pulled in multiple directions you have um you know your direct 
boss that you report into, but then you typically have other stakeholders that you're accountable to. Um, so it's a very, it's a very different type of, of work. And it can be rewarding in its own right. Um, but I think that you're right. I think there was some stat that I read in a Forbes article that said 60% of new managers fail in the first 24 months or something like that. You know, I, I think part of it is that is just that shift <clears throat> of what it is that you're you're responsible for. And mm -hmm. it, it it's always somebody comes to you and says, Hey, you've done a great job and we want to, you know, make you manager now. And you know, of course that feels good, right? That my, like my ego, yeah, okay. You know, and you want and you want to say yes, yeah, right? But you have no idea what you're getting into. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of I think what would be helpful, what would have been helpful for me would have been if I would have said, well, let me take a step back here for a minute and then find somebody that I respect as a manager, right? Maybe it wasn't my direct manager, but then go and have a conversation with them about like, hey, I'm thinking about, I've been asked to do this. What am I, what am I getting myself into, right? So the first part of anything is really like an assessment, like, what am I getting myself into, right? What am I, what are, you know, how does, how do things change? And being really honest with yourself about, is that something that I'm, I want to do, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you know, there's the whole prestige and typically management makes more money, right? And all of those things are a big draw. Um, but at the end of the day, if you don't like what you do, <laughs> they become long days. So absolutely, I, I, I don't know, you know, if you've had similar experiences and what those have been like for you. But. Yeah. Yeah. I think my biggest shock was when I transitioned into management, not being able to get into the weeds anymore, right? Because I wasn't actually sitting there coding or doing anything of that sort anymore. I was, you know, going to a lot more meetings than right. I was, you know, originally doing. And I, I, I didn't anticipate that at all. And I would help my, my team members um, with, you know, maybe a little bit too much. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you know, give me give me some. I can review the the work and make sure that you're doing well or make sure that, you know, if you're stuck somewhere, I can help out and um then then I would like try to get into the weeds again. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I mean, we we naturally default to, you know, what we know, right? And that's mm -hmm. what I you were doing, we've been doing, right? I've been down in the weeds doing this thing. Um and then that's a really, and then, I mean, sometimes what's really hard is if you, you know, if you're managing people that you were peers with before. Yeah, that's a good point. So, you know, someone that you were just the same level with for right. maybe even years. Right. Now you're on a different level and it's like that vibe just changes. Right. I mean, you, you think, oh, you know, we're still going to be friends and you're still friends, but it's a different relationship now, right? You have yes. to hold them accountable for stuff, mm -hmm. right? And they have to see that you're not 
going to let your relationship with them get in the way of getting work, <laughs> work done. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a, that's a hard one. I think it would be really good if I, I just, I don't know the stats. I think I saw somewhere like 80 or 85% of companies don't actually provide training for new managers, um, which if that stat is true, is just atrocious. Um, it's very high. I, yeah, it, it, it would be really helpful if companies had a formal manager, new manager training program, right? Mm -hmm. um, and even one of the things that I've done in the past is to go and seek a mentor. Um, mm -hmm. And mentors really probably shouldn't be your direct boss because then it gets kind of fuzzy. Uh, in what the relationship is, but again, you know, finding somebody that's more senior and, you know, in being a leader, um, and, and seeing if they will, you know, be a mentor for you where you can just go, you know, and say like, I'm, I'm having these sorts of troubles and I really don't understand why, and they can give you some perspective and in a safe environment, right? Cause with your boss, you know, like, what do you mean you don't know what you're doing? <laughs> Never want to say that to your boss. Yeah. <laughs> but it is good to be somewhat transparent and say, you know, ask lots of questions, not just completely say, I have no idea what I'm doing, yeah. but specifically like hone yeah. into something like, I don't know X, Y, Z, you know, can you guide me in that situation? Absolutely. I, you know, I think I was being a little off the cuff there, but I mean, yeah. we have to, I mean, we don't know everything. Right. And we have to have, we have to ask for help. Right. And mm -hmm. um, I think that's the other thing when we're looking to make a move from an individual contributor to a manager is asking yourself, what's the, for, at least from what you can see, what's the culture like, right. From a leadership perspective. Mm -hmm. um, because those things do change, right? Even the culture changes in the terms of the people you're interacting with, right? And how you interact with them when you go from, from being a manager to a, I mean, from an individual contributor to a manager. So Going back to the onboarding thing, I've seen this as a trend at different companies at all kinds of different levels too, right? Like when you get a new job, I don't know about you, but every time all of the onboarding procedures are kind of all over the place. And I've only had like a couple uh, companies that like had it on lock, but for the most part, it's been kind of rocky. Yeah, I was having a conversation on LinkedIn with somebody, uh, Mark Staus. I don't know if you know Mark, but um, we were having a conversation about upskilling people, right? You know? And, you know, his, his perspective is that most companies nowadays sort of leave it up to the individual to figure out how to upskill themselves, right? They aren't proactively providing um, training and those sorts of things, right? So it's like, hey, we've, we've got access to LinkedIn learning or some other learning platform. And hey, 
knock yourself out, right? Oh, but but still get your 80 hours of work done. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> uh, uh, it's it's not 40. <laughs> well, I don't know anybody that's where it's 40 anymore. Um, but the, they've really shifted shifted the responsibility of of training onto the individual. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't think it's working well for companies or the individuals, but I'm not an HR expert, so. Yeah, yeah. I can see it being good, have its pros and cons, right? Because it's like they try to have you upskill in the way that you want to, but then it's like, well, where do I go if I don't know where I need to upskill? Mm-hmm. Do you have any advice there on where to even start? Well, I think what happens a lot of times is it just ends up being a lot of trial and error. So, you know, you take on a manager role and all of a sudden I've never had to do performance reviews for somebody before. Right. Mm -hmm. And so now I I need to go figure out that system. Right. And you like, then you have to take all the initiative to go like, where's the training for this? And I take the training and I don't understand something. And then I got to go figure out who I talk to, to actually figure out how this works. Um, you know, that's where the, you know, sort of some of the, the mentoring uh, pieces, right. You know, like, yeah. Hey, you've been, <laughs> you've been using the system for 12 years now. <laughs> like, show, show me how this works because I have no clue. Yeah, exactly. Whenever I start a new position or a new role, I always put together a list of resources on like websites to go to, people to talk to. Um, And then so the people that you talk to also know different websites and systems to use as well. So I think putting together something like that um, has been helpful, at least in my case keep a running list of, uh, I have always done it in a spreadsheet, but like, uh, right. Like you said, the people to talk to like, Oh, this person knows about this This person knows about that. Yep. (laughs) You know, you find them out. Oh, new entry today. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Dear spreadsheet today. I have a new entry. I learned about (laughs) doing performance review. (laughs) (laughs) I never thought about it like that using a spreadsheet. Yeah, using a spreadsheet as a diary. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> or or maybe it's OneNote or you know, what whatever you use. You know, yep, absolutely. I'm... So now that we have, you know, tons and tons of resources available to us, what are your go-to resources when you're learning something new? Is it still books? Well, it's a it's a mix of written content. So I mean you know, books fall into that category, but now, you know, with, you know, Google, right. You know, like you go search and you can find blogs and white papers and, you know, stuff on whatever, whatever you want to know. And then, you know, YouTube, if it's, I'm a, I'm a do it yourself person. <laughs> I like to I like to fix things or break things and then fix them as my wife says. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, so then there's YouTube, right? Where you can actually see like, oh, how do I take the how do I take the sink apart? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So those are I mean that that's usually me. I, I'm I like to 
I, I read a lot, um, but not necessarily books, but, um, you know, online stuff and it, lots of different things. It's not just data and analytics, it's business stuff, it's, um, you know, I, I'm interested in, in how the universe works, so physics and all kinds mm -hmm. of <laughs> whatever happens to catch my attention. Yeah, yeah. So. Do you have any favorite go-to blogs? <clears throat> hmm. My favorite go-to blog? No, I don't have any, you know, just my own. <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, not not necessarily blogs, but um, there's a number of people like on LinkedIn that I follow, and my think my thinking is very aligned with theirs, like Bill Schmarzo and Malcolm Hawker and um, Samir Shah. You know, there, there's a whole whole bunch. Mark Stout, who I mentioned before. Um, I think one of the one of the challenges with LinkedIn is that you find your group and then in some ways it becomes a little echo chamber, right? Yeah. Where we're all, we're all saying the same things, right? And we're all to each other and we're all in agreement, right? <laughs> but then there's this other big world, right? Out there that um, are other things. So I intentionally go look for things that are counter to my views just so mm -hmm. I, um, but I don't have a, no, you know, data and analytics. I don't have a favorite blog. My favorite podcast is on being B E I N G with Krista Tippett, but that's got nothing to do with, with data and analytics. So, um, yeah. what's the topic of that podcast? It, it's more about the human experience. Like in a very, like she has wonderful poets and philosophers. And so it's more, it's more about that. It's not data and analytics though. So. Yeah. Yeah. How about yourself? What What are your favorite uh, blogs or podcasts or? I, that, that's a tough question to ask me as well. I, uh, I, I read everything and anything all over the place. <laughs> well, what's, what, What's interest? What's of interest for you? What's top of mind for you right now? Right now, what is top of mind? Um, Halloween was top of mind. Now, <laughs> now with it over, I, I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> well, aren't you going to just binge on your data candy for the next month? Isn't that until we get to the, you know, Thanksgiving, and then we can start and just roll right into the new year. This is very true. I saw so many bar charts of candy bars on LinkedIn the other day. It was so hilarious. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> huh. I wonder what the visualization people would say about that. Yeah. Yeah. It was great visualizations. I like um, anytime you see visualizations or some kind of like normal distributions happening in the real world. Mm -hmm. That's always fascinating to me. 
But that is really great advice of, you know, expanding what you are interested in. And mm -hmm. that way that you get different perspectives from right. all of those experiences. Yeah, I always say, you know, listen to what other people have to say. That doesn't mean you have to agree with them, right? But I mean, oh yeah, you know, that's that's all I ever want. I, you know, like, okay, can you just listen to what I have to say? It doesn't mean you have to agree with me, but then we can have a conversation about it versus, um, you know, just like, nope, don't want to hear it, or you're trying to get across your own agenda without really listening um yeah was i think it was stephen covey who said seek first to understand and then be understood mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. yeah. yeah that's a way that's one way that people don't think about as a way to learn is to disagree mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. then you have those conversations and learn even more from all kinds of sides right yeah. yeah. That well, and failure, because you yeah. learn from failure as well. <laughs> Actually, I think I think a lot of times you learn better from failure, at least in my experience, right? Like, I'm, I'm never going to forget that. <laughs> Hopefully, right? <laughs> no, no, don't, don't open your mouth and say what's on your mind in the all hands when the CEO is speaking. No, don't do that. Just, oh. just yeah no that is that is a good piece of advice though <laughs> yeah. so do you have any other final words of encouragement recommendations or advice for the listeners out there i think my only advice is be clear about what you want in life right even what professional or personal or whatever so that you can make choices that are aligned with that i think a lot of times we go through life and we're just kind of getting batted back and forth because we really don't know what we want right and knowing what we don't want is just as important because it helps us narrow down what we do want we have so much choice now so much choice in the things that we read and, the, and where we work the type of work that we do um we don't have time to to do everything right and our most precious resource is time the older you get the more you realize that but you know it's true so what is it that you want to do with the time that you have right and that's the best piece of advice <laughs> i could give anybody i love that so much <laughs> thank you so much dan yeah my pleasure <laughs> thanks for having me and uh yeah, I hope everybody comes and listens to a data parody song. <laughs> Get yes. That, so. <laughs> and if any of the listeners have questions for you, where can they find it and or follow you? Uh, LinkedIn. Yeah. Okay. Dan Everett or search hashtag the techno optimist. That, that's the hashtag I use. So. Awesome. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, thank you again for coming on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. And as always, folks, happy learning.